Hi, this is Pastor Chris from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota, and I want to take a few minutes and share with you seven ways to more effectively pray for others from the Apostle Paul's instructions to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So we're going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. We are on chapter 3, verse 9. We're going to go through verse 13. So if you are a Christ follower, that means that you desire to be fully like Jesus. Jesus told us to pray in his name. Jesus was a prayer. He modeled prayer. Uh, he moved in prayer. He sought the Lord in prayer. Uh, he was our model to follow, and we need to be praying. Jesus says, Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete in John 16, 24. So do you pray? And it says, ask in Jesus' name. So that's why we often pray in Jesus' name. So we finish out our prayers. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would provide this specific thing, and we ask this in Jesus' name. It's the stamp of authority. It's like the signature on the check. We ask in Jesus' name. Um, Jesus says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you in Luke eleven nine. So what should we be seeking? What doors do we want open? Um, what should we ask? If you know me personally and have heard my life story, you know that most of the things in my life that matter came about in prayer. As a result of prayer, I prayed for a wife, and God miraculously provided the woman that I would marry, and we've been married for over 30 years, and I'm so delighted with her. God answered my prayer. Our first child was uh, going to uh, be born prematurely, and we prayed and prayed that she wouldn't be born until she was healthy, healthy enough. And she was born a little early, but she was fine, and God answered my prayer. There was a time when I was sick, I prayed for God to heal me, and I believe he did. I prayed for vehicles, I prayed for housing, I prayed for jobs, I prayed for other people, I prayed for so many things. I've prayed um, <clears throat> for ministry opportunities, uh, and so many times God has been so faithful to answer prayer in amazing ways, usually at the last minute, usually in ways that you don't expect, but God has been faithful to answer in prayer, though I have not received everything I've ever asked for in prayer, but I trust that I have all I need. So uh, Psalm 23, 1 in the New Living Translation says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. So before I share with you uh, seven ways to pray more effectively, uh, just real quick, I'm recording this uh, before we have our outdoor service. So we are trying to have our outdoor services in the parks now with trees for shade instead of a parking lot uh, that you get to sit in the sun. So we're getting pretty good tans during the worship service, but I uh, want to try to uh, uh, move things around. So anyway, I'm report recording this. It's still COVID summer and we are still uh, not in the building. Um, actually, we were renting the school and it was working out pretty good, but now with COVID, we're not allowed back in the public school to rent. So we are looking for a church home. And that's actually one thing that I prayed and prayed for that I haven't received. I have not received um, a building, a church building. We've tried to purchase them. We have some land. We've tried to sell it, tried to trade it. I've uh, been working everything out that we could and uh, we keep moving uh, in that direction, but I've come to the conclusion that the Lord is the one who's in charge of this church, and He, in His wisdom, has chosen not to provide us with the building so far. I watch for Him to do so in an amazing way, but um, anyway, I'm going to uh, just trust Him and assume that I have all that I need, like it says in Psalm 23.1. So if I don't have a church building, I obviously don't need one. It's God's church, so whatever happens, happens. I'm going to trust Him and be faithful and serve no matter what. So, And I encourage you to do thing, the same thing, but let me share with you seven ways to pray more effectively for others. Let me read the scripture passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, 
you can actually go to riverrockchurch.com slash watch or riverrockchurch.com slash listen to uh, watch or hear the past messages that we've had in First Thessalonians. Um, if you want to support this ministry or give to our building fund, you can go to riverrockchurch.com slash give. And obviously, we would love to pray for you. So go to riverrockchurch.com slash pray. Anyway, um, <clears throat> in this uh, sermon series through First Thessalonians, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were able to spend a little time in Thessalonica before they were chased out. So Paul's writing this letter to encourage and teach the Thessalonians to help them mature in their new faith in Jesus. So let me read this passage. Um, Verse 9, First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. How we thank God for you, because of you we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again, to fill the gaps in your faith. May God, our Father and our Lord Jesus, bring us to you very soon. Verse 12. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. May He, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all His holy people. Amen. First Thessalonians Thessalonians 3, 9 through 13 from the New Living Translation. All right, so number one, pray thanking God for one another. Pray thanking God for one another. Paul also wrote to the Philippians, Philippians 1, 3, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. So who are the people in your life that you are thankful for? Your biological family, your church family, your friends? Uh, Maybe those people that you led to into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They were lost and you pointed them to Jesus and now they're found and you're helping them grow in their faith. Or maybe it's somebody that was saved that you helped disciple and mature in their faith. Or maybe you're training them to work in ministry or serving with them in ministry or sharing life in your life group. Uh, maybe you are thankful for coworkers, for neighbors, uh, for the people that God has placed in your life. Maybe they're family, maybe they're not, but maybe they're like family. Nonetheless, are you thankful for them? We should pray, thanking God for the people in our lives, for one another. Actually, last week I shared towards the end of the message that we should let some of those people know that we're thankful for them, that we are praying and thanking God for them so that they know, so that they can be encouraged. Don't let somebody literally pass away without them knowing that you are thankful for them. We need to love people and use things and invest in Christ-honoring relationships Uh, We shouldn't use people and love things. So don't use people and love things. Love people and use things and invest in Christ-honoring relationships. All right, number two, pray continuously. Pray continuously. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to get up at four in the morning and get on your knees and pray and stay there all day. Uh, Some people do that. Some people uh, do pray and they pray for so many things in their ministry of prayer is valuable. So if that's you, I'm not going to discourage you from that. But if you have a job and you have to be places and you have to like watch your kids and all sorts of other things, that that's not possible. What if instead of uh, you on your knees praying uh, in an isolated place, what if you prayed as you went? What if you prayed as you walked to the car? What if you prayed uh, with your eyes open, obviously? as you drove your car, or as you went from meeting to meeting, or as you have thought of things, as the Lord brought things to mind, for people to pray for, uh, for things to be thankful for, uh, what prayer is talking to God. So keep the lines of communication open all the time. 
on my on my phone, um, I turn off the location or GPS because it makes the battery drain faster. And when I do that, then the Google lady in my phone doesn't know where we are. So if I ask for directions and the GPS isn't turned on, then she is like, hey, uh, you must be at home. So uh, here's how you get there from your house. It's like, wait, no, I'm not at home. I'm in Edina. So anyway, I have to turn the location thing on. And once we're connected again, then it's good. Then we're able to communicate and know where we are. I'm communicating with the Google lady. Makes me sound lonely. Anyway, the um, connection to God and prayer uh, never disconnects. So just because you say the words amen doesn't need, mean the conversation needs to end. So let us pray. Thank you, Stephen Curtis Chapman, for those wise words. Anyway, um, when you find time then to get away uh, where there's no distraction, maybe you can pray longer. Maybe you have a prayer list. Maybe you can pray for people uh, more earnestly in need. Actually, that's the next point. But let's look at what Jesus did, okay? So um, one day, soon afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night, Luke 6, 12. So that's the thing you could pray to God all night. You know, sometimes you lie on your bed and you can't sleep. That might be a great time to pray and tell the Lord what's keeping you up at night. If it's anxiety, if it's things that you're worried about, if it's your schedule, uh, or maybe you need to pray that he would help you have wisdom not to drink so much caffeine or eat so much pizza before bed. But anyway, if you're awake in the middle of the night, uh, what a great time to pray. Um, or you can pray all through the night. But um, then again, you might have to get up and go to work. So there can be a balance there. Nonetheless, pray continuously. Uh, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So Jesus was all about prayer. Another one, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Mark 6.46. Uh, the other one was Mark 1.35. But pray continually. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Uh, when you're praying continually, uh, and you're praying a long time, uh, some people literally follow some people literally fall asleep so maybe it's because they're tired uh, if you are going to assume a kneeling prayer position uh, with your head bowed and your eyes closed and you're really tired it's possible to fall asleep you do not have to do that that is not a position of prayer that you have to assume every time it can be fine it gets honorable it's respectful but maybe you need to stand as you pray maybe you need to walk as you pray maybe you need to write out your prayers or pray out loud uh, maybe you need to pray Bible passages back to the Lord. Maybe you need to pray over those Bible assurance passages, those Bible passages that promise prayer. The more you pray, the better you get at it, but pray continuously. So um, one day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up in Luke 18.1. And then he shared the parable of the persistent widow. So we keep praying for the church land, for the church building. We keep praying and praying and waiting on God. And uh, <clears throat> so far, we don't have a solution, but we're going to keep praying and trusting. Would you pray with us? A.W. Tozer said, uh, he's got some archaic language here. Archaic means old. It's not profane. Anyway, he says, sometimes I go to God and say, God, if thou dost never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship thee as long as I live and in the ages to come for what thou hast done already. So let's put it in God's hand and assume whatever results is his will. All right, pray earnestly. Let's pray earnestly. Let's be serious in prayer. So um, let's not be um, using nursery rhyme prayers like, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul will take. Um, you can do better than that. 
so you can uh, pray more specifically. Um, praying before you eat is a great thing to do, to ask the Lord to bless the food and everything like that. Uh, most people don't appreciate it, though, when you do your devotional prayer and you pray for all the missionaries around the world and you pray for so many things uh, while the meal gets cold. What might be a better idea is to have a long prayer time after the meal uh, together. So anyway, uh, praying is important, but we want to pray earnestly. We want to pray uh, specifically. We don't want to pray uh, we don't want to rush prayer. We don't want to try to fool God in prayer. We don't want to just pray because it's on the list of things that good Christians do. God knows our heart and our motivation. Um, prayer is, um, is a real communication with God. We are boldly approaching his throne. We are entering into his presence in prayer. You know, King David told his son Solomon when God chose Solomon to build the temple, uh, he gave, King David gave Solomon the solemn warning. He says, And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. First Chronicles 28, 9. So, God takes prayer seriously. We should take prayer seriously. Let's not be insincere in our praying. You know, um... Another thing about praying earnestly is that as we're praying for people's needs, as we're praying for specific needs, maybe God will put on our heart that we can do something about it. We can call someone to help. We can have, maybe we have a resource that we can help. So if someone is sick, uh, pray for God to heal him or her and have a full speedy recovery. If someone is discouraged, pray that they would be encouraged. But don't ask God to do anything if you're not willing to do your part. So praying specifically reveals what you should do. If someone is lonely, visit them. If someone is discouraged, offer them an encouraging word. Paul is a wonderful example of praying specifically because he prays for these following uh, specific needs uh, for the Thessalonians, uh, specific concerns. So as we have opportunity, the Lord might, as we're praying for someone, the Lord might show us how to answer a need. The Lord might show us how to make a connection. The Lord might show us how to help them, encourage them. Maybe we could even if we're praying for them earnestly, maybe we could even try to get together with them. Um, praying in person sometimes is way better than uh, praying on the phone or just saying, hey, I'm praying for you. And praying earnestly, if someone says they have this need and you go, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Um, and then you forget because you didn't write it down and it just slipped your mind. You know, the best thing you can do is just pray for them right then and there. And then tell them, you know, as I remember, I will pray for you. And then maybe you can write that prayer down. Uh, there's so many things that we can pray for. But if you say you're going to pray for somebody uh, and you're going to keep praying for them, then uh, follow through on that one. But anyway, pray earnestly. All right, number four. Number four, pray for opportunities to get together. Pray for opportunities to get together. To get together. Asking God to let us see you again and to fill the gaps in your faith. May God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. So Paul was convinced that Satan was keeping him from coming back to Thessalonica, visiting them, and that he and Silas weren't able to get there. Uh, they were able to send Timothy, and he was able to bring back a good report. But uh, there was a spiritual battle. Um, there is a battle in our lives uh, to get together sometimes because of our schedule, uh, because of our priorities, uh, all these different things. 
but we should pray for opportunities to get together. So it is much better when we are able to get together face to face. That's what this COVID-19 problem uh, has caused is us not being able to go visit people uh, in the hospital, in the nursing home, in, in these places. I guess in the nursing homes now, you can visit people in the parking lot if they'll come outside. But nonetheless, um, we should do all that we can to get together. Um, getting together for church is awesome. We need each other. We can encourage each other. Being part of a life group, uh, being part of a Bible study group, uh, doing stuff together, uh, getting together. You build relationships, stronger relationships, better relationships when you are doing in-person gatherings, when you uh, are sharing life together. Uh, if you can't, then messaging, texts, FaceTime, uh, those types of things are helpful. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know Him and He will make your path straight. So as you're trusting and relying on Him, He can help you find ways to connect and get together with the right people, the people that He wants you to get together with. So, all right, number five, pray for God's love to overflow. Pray for God's love to overflow. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. So the word translated love, agape, is self-sacrificing love. Uh, the best description of this kind of love is found in Jesus' words in John 15, 13, that says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for one another's friends. To lay down one's life for one's friends, John 15, 13. So we may never have to lay down our lives, but um, we might be called to lay down um, our busy schedules and take time to encourage someone to disrupt our plans, to um, give up uh, something that we wanted to do. You know, as we get together with people too, we want to be careful that we are encouraging and that we're doing uh, the Lord's will. Um, sometimes people get together and they think that they need to do the Holy Spirit's work of convicting, or um, sometimes we need to correct and admonish and teach uh, with Scripture. Um, but other times we don't. And I found this, I thought this was interesting. Pastor Ray Ortland writes, The kind of God we really believe in is revealed in how we treat one another. The lovely gospel of Jesus positions us to treat one another like royalty. And every non-gospel positions us to treat one another like dirt. But we will follow through horizontally on whatever we believe vertically. Ray then goes on to identify the one another's he could not find in the New Testament. Sanctify one another. Humble one another, scrutinize one another, pressure one another, embarrass one another, corner one another, interrupt one another, defeat one another, sacrifice one another, shame one another, judge one another, run one another's lives, confess one another's sins, intensify one another's sufferings, point out one another's failings. Those are things that we do not need to do when we get together and build relationships with people. So uh, pray for opportunities to get together with people and show love and care. All right, number six. There's only seven. So number six, we're coming towards the end already. Number six, pray for hearts strong, blameless, and holy. Pray for hearts strong, blameless, and holy. So Paul wants God to strengthen their hearts, to give them inner strength. So that when Jesus returns, they will be blameless. Uh, positionally, uh, theologically, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our sins are washed away and we are seen as 
uh, sinless, and hopefully we're living lives that are blameless, uh, without outstanding fault, or free from any reasonable accusation or charge. Uh, unblameable in holiness means that after committing a sin, we deal with it as God requires, so we'll be holy. And First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, one of the most important things we can do is come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we do that by acknowledging our need, uh, acknowledging Jesus uh, paid the price and asking Jesus to come into our life and save us. So um, we believe upon the Lord, uh, we confess our need and our sin, and we ask Him into our lives. You can do this in prayer. Um, I'd love to talk to you more about it or send you resources, but if you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Please come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. And then you turn from sin and start pursuing Jesus. Uh, get a Bible and start growing in the Lord. We've got New Testaments that we'd love to share with you to help you. But um, pray for hearts strong, blameless, and holy. So um, you need God's power and provision to do this. You can't do this outside of Christ's salvation and the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Uh, Chuck Swindoll in his Bible commentary says, Do you know what happens when you try to achieve these things apart from salvation in Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? He said it's like fueling your car with air or water or sand. The reason we even try to substitute knowledge for wisdom, feeling or facts or temporal for eternal is because we haven't filled our lives with the fuel necessary to really live. Then he says, now would be a good time to turn away from your own self-reliance and self-sufficiency and turn to Christ alone for everything pertaining to life and godliness. In prayer, turn away from yourself and from your and your own strength and the world's limitations or world's imitations and turn to Christ. With him will come wisdom, purpose, stability, meaning, forgiveness, hope, security, everything necessary to really live. All right. And then um, as we are pursuing to uh, have blameless holiness. And number seven, praying for people to be ready for Jesus to return. Uh, ready for Jesus to return. He could return at any time. Uh, there will be an event when Jesus returns to earth. Um, so uh, as he stands, as you stand before God our Father when the Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people, that's something actually we're going to talk about in, um, I don't think it's next week, I think it's the week after that, where we talk about Jesus' return um, and uh, this idea of the rapture. Uh, some people uh, don't find the rapture in the Bible, uh, but I'm going to explain that and share some of that. But uh, when the phrase, our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones, um, is it uh, just the angels or is it uh, the church? Does Jesus come and uh, meet the church in the air? Uh, so the rapture is when he doesn't necessarily come to earth, but he comes, uh, the believers ascend uh, up to be with Jesus, uh, then the great tribulation happens, and then after that Jesus returns, and he has uh, the angels and believers with him returning, uh, and Jesus will make all things right and reign on earth for a thousand years. That's the, called the millennium. That's the, that's the uh Premillennial theological stance uh, found in Revelation chapter 20. Have I confused you yet? 
But anyway, uh, that's kind of where the song When the Saints Come Marching In comes from too. But anyway, I'm not going to explain that today, but just focus on praying for people to be ready for Jesus to return. Uh, whether or not you believe in a rapture, uh, Jesus is going to return and he's going to judge those people who have not received him as his Savior. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Uh, if you skip down to John 3.36, you'll see that it says, Those that don't receive Jesus, that God's wrath remains on them and that we need to become children of God because we are not children of God already by default. We are creations of God, but John 1.12 says, To as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So God adopts you, assures you of heaven, helps you to live the Christian life now, gives you the Holy Spirit, helps you to pray effectively and to serve effectively, and the Holy Spirit guides and convicts. And there's just so many things about the Christian life that happen when Jesus Christ comes into our life and we follow him. But we want to pray for people to be ready to stand before God. And that will be a great day. So anyway, next week, the peace that comes from living to please God. Uh, so we'll be continuing um, in First Thessalonians chapter 3. And uh, I hope that uh, you can actually uh, come uh, in person outside. Uh, look at our website to see where we're meeting. And then um, we'll announce it actually one hour before the service since we can't reserve the park, city park facilities. They said we could use it, but they didn't say we could reserve it. So first come, first serve. If we're there first, then we'll send out a, a message and put on the front of our website where we're having church. And uh, if all the parks are taken, then I guess we're back at the cricket field parking lot. But nonetheless, we are going to gather with whoever shows up to worship the Lord and encourage one another. And we're going to keep putting these messages online. So again, I hope that you'll go to our website and uh, send us a prayer request. Uh, see ways to plug in to uh, other ministries, our youth group, our life groups. Those are all meeting um, uh, but you want to check with the leaders because some weeks they take off based on schedules. Like usually there's a women's group that meets on Saturday, but not this Saturday. But uh, anyway, so I am done. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that we can have a personal relationship with you. I thank you so much that you give us scripture to show us how to live our lives. I thank you that you have chosen prayer as the way for us to communicate with you and as the way for us to present our requests to you. Lord, I pray that I ask that you would help the people who are watching that are concerned about their jobs, that need work, that need money. Lord, I pray you'd provide that. I pray first that they would ask because your word says that we have not because we ask not. And sometimes when we ask, uh, what we ask for um, is selfish. But Lord, I pray that they would go to you in prayer and that you would answer their prayer in, in an amazing way, giving them a God experience and strengthening their faith. Lord, I pray for the sick people to be healed. I pray for the angry, the discouraged. Uh, the, I pray for the racial divide. Lord, I pray that there would be peace and that people would um, value one another. Lord, I pray that uh, the church would, would grow and thrive. I pray that lost people would uh, ask, what must they do to be saved? And Christians would be right there giving them the answer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would provide us with the church building because we need one. I pray that you would help us to uh, all expand uh, the ministries that we have and the relationships that we have and that you would do great things. So Jesus, I just thank you and worship you and uh, look forward to great things as I walk with you in Jesus name. Amen.